Twin wide receivers on each side of the ball. Empty backfield. Cox, a quick drop. Looking, looking. Pumps once, and he's tackled by Adam Plant at the 40. Plant with a sack, and it's fourth and five. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company. Hill and Homies edition of the program down here at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Getting ready for Monday Night Football ton of sports going on over the weekend we'll try to get into as much as we can but obviously big news here in las vegas is unov's decision to move on from coach marcus arroyo we've been kind of talking about the decision from different perspectives want to find out how the players feel because that's who really is the most impacted by decisions like this and i think oftentimes those those feelings are kind of overlooked when you're talking about things from a you know a black and white perspective and just what does this mean? What does it mean emotionally? What does it mean for the players that have had to kind of go through this? Uh, and so we want to hear from really a guy who, when you watch the games, just the you know the heart and soul of the program and a, a real example of what uh, this program has kind of become. Uh, Adam Plant, who you know returned home to play here uh, for UNLV in Vegas, very kind to give us a few minutes today. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? We are good. Uh, we're trying to make uh, you know some sense of what went on. I guess just what was your feelings this morning when you heard the decision that the program or that the university had made? Uh, you know, it was an unfortunate situation that occurred. You know, obviously, you know, school had to go what was best for the program and what they thought it was best. Uh, you know, it's sad to see Coach Royal go out like that. You know, I was I was blessed to be able to be coached by him over these last three years and just to build a great relationship and bond with him. And just him taking me in as one of his players and not just that, just, you know, we have a lifelong bond together now. And I was just unfortunate to see him go out that way. So, we, you know, we know him from just watching the games and seeing the, you know, how the X's and O's go and how the play, you know, how the games play out. And it's about wins and losses. Uh, and then, you know, obviously interviewing him and, and hearing his thoughts after the game. But what, I guess just tell people what he has been like, what has he meant to the program and what has he kind of meant to you guys as players on a day-to-day basis dealing with him? Yeah, you know, Coach Morrell is one of those guys, man, you know, he expects the best out of you. You know, he, he wants to he wants the best out of all of us, regardless if it's in football or in life, you know, and it was more so than just football with Coach Morrell and then the entire coaching staff. You know, they they pride themselves on teaching us more than the game of football and just life lessons and becoming, you know, men, future fathers, future husbands, and, you know, just carrying yourself a certain way and having certain expectations about yourself. Um, so it was a lot of great lessons that he talked to us, you know, day in, day out, and just the mindset to have. Uh, not just a football, but it's a life itself. So, Adam, uh, speaking with Adam Plant uh, from UNLV Football, Adam, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to try to be delicate about this, and, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a lot of the quotes online, uh, some of the quotes from the from, from the local media that were that was at the um, at UNLV, talked to some of the players. There seems to be a ton of disappointment from the players' standpoint and in how unexpected this was, the fact that this team went from zero wins in a pandemic year, where Marcus barely got to you know get together with the players to prepare for a season. I know every program had to deal with that, but nevertheless, um, then to two wins, then to five wins. Would you say it's a, and if you don't want to answer this, but I mean a consensus among the players was this more than on the field performance by the coach than maybe. A personality conflict between the athletic department and and Arroyo and his staff. Um, there's there maybe something more to just the team itself. Because when you talk about performance, it's a slap in the face of the players as well. True, very true. 
Um, I can't really speak on, you know, what the personal talks were amongst the staff and everything. I know from a player to coach perspective, I never had any issues with Coach Rowe. He's always been a great guy, always showed up to work every day, always did his best to try to lead us in the right direction. Um, it's just unfortunate. You know, you go into a locker room, you go into battle with a coach for three years, and especially this past weekend, you know, just the emotions that went along with that game being senior night and being able to bring the can back home, you know, it's a very emotional night. And then just to come back Monday, you know, he's not there in the office anymore, you know, it's very unfortunate. No, it, it hurts, you know, just having those relationships with coaches, but, you, you know, you have to understand that's a part of the business as well, and that's what comes with college football. Uh, but, you know, you always wish things could be, you know, better. But I wish Coach Rowe the best. You know, I wish I hope everything works out great with him. And I know things here at UNLV are going to continue to move forward and progress in the right way. So what's next for you? Uh, just taking the time, really, just to finish up school. Uh, just enjoying this time with my family and my teammates, really. So, I, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there and there's plenty of time to get into that. But... I just want to ask you real quick that one of the names that's been floated out there is Gary Patterson. Have you heard that? And what are your thoughts? Um, I didn't hear that, but you know, Gary Patterson is one heck of a coach. You know, the one of the first coaches to give me an opportunity to play Division One football. So you know, that would be a great look. You know, Coach Patterson is one of the best guys in the business to ever do it. So I mean, that would be a great that'd be great for the school. Uh, you know, obviously Saturday we th- we thought you know kind of the season. Uh, wrapped up in a positive way, and then you know this news comes down two days later. But uh, what were your feelings, just kind of winning that cannon, winning that rivalry game, and uh, and coming out with a victory in, at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday? Oh, it was a beautiful feeling, you know, just to be able to have the fanfare there, the all the local uh, people. My family was there, and just the, the the brotherhood that we had that whole entire season that just led us all the way to that game, and to be able to leave it all out there on the field and to finish on a great note, you know. It's, Something I'll be able to tell my kids about when I get older. So I guess that's a memory that I will live with me forever. You know, you know obviously UNLV has, you know, has is continuing to build and, and continue to progress to where the level they want to be. But obviously, this is a a very respected program now that's gaining more and more respect. That has this great facility, a great place to play games in, and you're a big part of that. As somebody who kind of grew up here and watched it, what has it meant to you to see this this building process and to be a part of it uh, these last couple of years? Uh, you know, it was a great experience. You know, it's it's hard. You know, a lot of people outside looking in, they don't understand, you know, how hard it really is day in, day out. And to continue to tell yourself positive things and continue to wake up and go to work every day when you don't feel like it or when things aren't going your way exactly. And just to be able to push past that and look beyond that and notice you're doing something for a bigger purpose, not just for wins and losses. There is still a possibility the season continues. I mean, there, you know, the chances out there uh, that potentially UNLV could work its way into a bowl game by – by the way, by virtue of the great, outstanding academic performance that the players have put in is a big reason why this is still possible. So I think that's something to be very proud of and that should not be lost in all of this. But is that something that you want? Do you want to continue playing, especially considering the circumstances of what's going on? Uh, absolutely. You know, just any chance I, I get to be able to play with my brothers one last time, you know, would be a great opportunity. I think it will be good for the school. Um, as far as, you know, anything outside of that, you know, it's kind of hard to really tell. But I know um, me and my teammates, I know that we'll be able to do the best we can to make sure that we stay, stay the course, stay the mission. And I know uh, this remaining coaching staff is going to do the same as well. And, and, you know, I kind of referenced there the uh, the APR is really, really good. And uh, that's something that's very important. I don't think enough people talk about that. But what has that part of it meant to, to you guys as players to be a part of a program that uh, has a lot to be proud of off the field? 
Oh, it's a, it's a great experience. You know, the best, biggest thing our coaches preach about is not only just getting everything out of football, but academically being able to walk out of here with a degree and to build those lifelong connections where after football is done, whenever it's time to start your journey with your job or your future career field, you'll be able to have those connections and be able to have your degree to fall back on as well. Speaking with Adam Plant, UNLV football. So, Adam, with that, I mean, just circling back to the news of the day with Mark Soroy, you come from a school, right, a high school here in town with the, 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 the proclaims the phrase gata and everything that the Sanchez brothers built at that program and the family and the brotherhood, and you spoke to that. The way that you guys lost, you know, we heard Eric Carper, the athletic director, say, well, they barely beat Reno. Okay, so that means that you also barely lost some of those games last year. That that record could have been a lot better. How much did this program bond in those short years under Arroyo, and did you sort of feel that same brotherhood, that family? You you mentioned it, but how much do you credit that to sort of Marcus Arroyo bringing to bringing everybody together, be it staff and players? Yeah, I think I credit that to everybody that was a part of our coaching staff, um, starting with Coach Royal to all the position coaches, supporting staff, academic advisors, um, nutritionists. You know, everybody played the course. You know, I, I look at us as being a you know a big family, and we were able to you know just bond closer and closer as the years went on and be able to grow and experience life lessons together um, on the field and off the field and be able to learn from you know tough losses and be able to learn from the wins that we did have. And, you know, everything was a lesson and everything was, you know, we were able to learn something, whether it was a loss or whether it was a situation we felt that it could have been better for us or, you know, regardless of how things turned out, you know, we were able to learn from it. And we always kept a positive mindset, you know, to be able to move past that and be able to have something more to stand for, not just about the wins and losses, but to have a sense of pride about yourself and to, you know, not only remember the name on the front of the jersey, but on the back as well. There you go. Well, I, I hope that you are, are proud of what you and, uh, and your teammates have accomplished both on and off the field. It's been um, you know, very, very fun to watch the development. I know it's not where you guys wanted to finish and uh, you wanted more out of it, but uh, certainly you know, there's not much that you could have done on the field. I can tell you that from watching uh, more than you did. So I appreciate the time today and, and really uh, sharing your thoughts on everything that's going on. Yes, sir. Thank you. And Adam, make sure you say hi to Pops for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and tell him not to be mad at us because we don't want that. We don't want that happening. He's a uh, he's a very impressive individual for sure. We we thank you, Adam, and uh, and uh, we'll continue talking about what's going on at UNLV and Raiders as well. Golden Knights starting their road trip. Uh, Steve Cofield joins us a little bit, and Eric Harper, the man who made the decision, uh, will tell us what went into it and what's next for the UNLV program coming up. ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company at Twin Peaks. Wednesdays. It's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The new owners, they bought that team, and the first thing they did was give Russell Wilson this contract, which is worth a quarter of a billion dollars. So they're not going to acknowledge they got this thing wrong. They will fire Hackett at the end of the season. The next coach is going to come in and say he can fix Russell Wilson and not do it, and then he's going to get fired. So Russell Wilson is going to be that rare quarterback that can actually get two coaches fired before anybody blames him. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company, Hill and his home's edition down here at Twin Peaks. Steve Cofield coming up in a little bit. Eric Harper, UNLV Athletic Director, to talk about the decision to fire Marcus Arroyo today. 
But there are other things going on in the sports world. We want to get into uh, some of those topics. One thing that happened in Las Vegas this weekend that was somewhat unfortunate. And uh, also, what's going on in Denver? The Broncos are a mess. A lot of things happening there. And uh, our good friend Chad Andrus joins us on the program today. How you doing, sir? Long time no talk, Adam. It's been, you know, 40 hours. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Actually, actually, do interact with people off the air occasionally, and that that happened <laughs> on Saturday uh, downtown. Nice to catch up with you for sure. I uh, wanted to talk about a couple things. First, I wanted to just talk about uh, what I think I think is fairly interesting is the the betting scene in Colorado. I mean, it's very new, but it's really exploded. And I, I know a lot of people that are really into the sports betting world that have kind of migrated to Colorado and are are all over that. What has it been like to kind of see that explosion happening? around you when it seemed like it was going to be Las Vegas only for a long time. Now it's everywhere, but Colorado's kind of the hub. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal because we have everything on any betting menu available, and we have any sports book you want to get action in. So anywhere that you think you might get a better number or anywhere that offers more props, you can load an account anywhere you want because we have really limitless options. If there is a digital book out there, they're in Colorado. We have every single one of them. So what's funny is, you know, having lived in Las Vegas in the past and knowing the history and and this being so new for large parts of the country, now I not only don't even travel to a physical book here ever, but I have my options that uh, in, in many ways are far more extensive from a prop standpoint than I could have ever bet in Las Vegas. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. You can get down on anything you want, basically. Two concerns I have. The first one is it seems like you, you mentioned not visiting a physical book. How far would it be if you actually wanted to? Well, for me, it's probably about an hour, hour and 15 minutes because uh, everything is up in the mountains, right? They're in right. physical casino locations. So, um, you know, they've, they've done a nice job at a few of the, the higher-end places of, of integrating a sports book and creating a watch place for an opportunity to place book, you know, place bets at a counter, but there's just no need to drive up there if you live in Denver. I mean, you're even wherever you are, you're going to be 45 minutes away driving into the mountains and then have to make that drive back, and there's just no need to do it with the digital options. Uh, and then the other one is, and I was only there for two days, so maybe, maybe I was thrown off and maybe it was maybe rare, but it feels like political season. Like here, it's just political ad after political ad. When I was up there last week for the Broncos-Raiders game, it was just ad after ad for sports books is that like that all the time yeah 100 percent uh it's more <laughs> of the big uh national brands right like you can't go a commercial break without a uh you know caesars formerly william hell or a bet mgm ad airing so the national ones like the jamie fox kevin garnett ones and barry sanders uh every commercial break no matter what you're watching and then the, because of, of the Manning brothers, with Peyton being involved and Archie on, on the Caesars uh, one, it's airing here all the time. You see those two in particular, and then there's a few other books who have established like a U.S. headquarters in Denver, uh, PointsBet being one of them. So they have a very large presence, particularly like at Ball Arena, right? You have uh, the digital signs, you have the ads on the boards at the Avalanche games, you have uh, pregame segments on the Nuggets broadcasts, things like that, that uh, you just can't avoid it, especially the ones who have, have taken a physical office presence here in Colorado. Yeah, that, that, was a little, that was a little much, it was a little overwhelming, but I'm sure you get used to it if you're there, just like uh, we do during political season. Uh, are you used to Russell Wilson and the Broncos being whatever this is? 
I don't think anybody is. It's the worst team they've ever had. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's a big, big problem. And part of the issue is not just the failures of Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson under GM George Payton, but they're also bearing the brunt of the previous six years where the Broncos were bad and boring. So it, it, it's bad enough how awful they are and what they're committed to money-wise from Russ, but those guys are also walking into a fan base who has seen – very much of the same stuff for the last six years. So that frustration is piling on top of what the normal frustration would be from just any run-of-the-mill bad one-off season. So it's really bad here, and everybody's fed up because they know there is no light at the end of the tunnel thanks to the Wilson contract and the trade, right? So they gave away a first-round pick and gave him $240 million. So now not only are you one of the worst teams in the NFL, but you don't have a pick to show for it, and you've got a quarterback that you're stuck with for a minimum three more years, if not more. That sounds fun. Uh, yeah, pretty hopeless. Could it? Can it? How much can be attributed to? There are the rumors that there's a pretty significant injury uh, that he's dealing with, and also the relationship with Hackett just doesn't seem to be working. So they can fix that issue and move on from him. Is there? Is there the optimism that hey, coaching change slash getting healthy, those things could help? There, there has to be because it's the only place for optimism. I mean, Hackett's one and done. He's, he's fired at the end of the year. Where they go from there, we will see. Uh, I don't believe Russ is healthy, but the Broncos have stated officially and adamantly that he has no official injury. So that's a big deal, right, when you're dealing with the NFL. You cannot lie or be, um, you know, uh, in any way misleading on the injury reports. They say he's healthy, but he's had a shoulder and he's had a lat all year. Um, you know, regardless of Russ's health, nobody else is healthy. So uh, even at a full health, this team is devoid of, of game-breaking threats, of big weapons. So now that they're playing with all backups everywhere, it makes it even worse. So, I mean, you can pin it on Russ and his health if you want. Um, he's, he's part of the problem, but he's far from the entirety of the problem. Well, at least they're getting young guys like Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> this, this is how bad this is how bad it is, Adam. Um, if they would have averaged 18 points a game in regulation, right? So right now, I believe 18 points a game would be like 27th in the NFL. If they would manage the 27th scoring offense in regulation, they'd be nine and two. They're three and eight. That's not good. That is not good. Uh, a lot a lot to unpack there uh, with the Broncos. I don't think we're going to fix that uh, on this show today. And they can't even, like you mentioned, they can't even tank. You can't tank. You don't have a no, pick. They, they gave the pick away. I mean, they have no oh. first-round pick. They lead the league in penalties. They're 31st in passing TV, TDs, right? They're 29th in time of possession. They're 27th in total yards, right? The only team that they have more passing touchdowns than is Pittsburgh. Right, um, it, it, it's just a dreadful situation, and you know, like I said, the defense has been all right. I mean, the, the defense has been better and all right. They've been good. I, I'm not going to call them great, just because every other offense they played knows they don't have to do anything special. As long as they hang on to the ball and don't turn it over, they'll eventually outscore them. So the defense hasn't been asked to stop anything too crazy. Um, but they've been very good. It's it's the furthest thing from a concern for them. But but in terms of the offense, particularly Hackett and Wilson, yeah, it is it is an outright dumpster fire, worst in the league.
There you go. Chad Andrus, our good friend, uh, maybe not a friend of the Broncos from, from Denver here uh, on the show. You can hear him on 104.3 in Denver and, and various play-by-play spots as well, which we'll get into in a second. But I did want to ask you about another rumor that's out there in terms of the coaching world. Deion Sanders to Colorado is a thing, it sounds like. Fans here believe Deion Sanders will take the UNLV job. Are either of these schools getting I guess I'll ask you first about Colorado because you are in that area. Is Deion Sanders going to Colorado? Is that a fit? Uh, it would be a fit for Colorado. They would love it because it would be anything to make them relevant again and anything to get players to pay attention in the transfer portal. Um, the good news for Colorado is there are boosters with money who have stepped up to make this offer, which previously hadn't been the case. And there are also people at work in the university changing transfer guidelines. That's been a big problem. Part of the reason CU has fallen so far is players that transfer were not given their credits from where they came from to pursue their major. So they've fallen way behind in the transfer portal. They were way behind in NIL. Those two things are being fixed in conjunction with the offer that's been made to Dion. Now, from what I understand, Dion doesn't care about the money. He just needs money for his assistance. That's also always been a problem in Colorado being a state school. The regents and the state has to approve the budget for the assistant coaches, and they've never gone above a certain number. That is being, is being addressed based on this offer, but what we don't know is if Dion is going to seriously consider it. Uh, the way I see it is UNLV would be the flash and the facilities in the market that would fit primetime, but they don't have the conference, right? Unless there's a, a backdoor deal with them in San Diego State to the Pac-12 we don't know about, um, then I could see UNLV maybe pulling off a real coup there. Um, Colorado has the conference in the Pac-12, and they're stepping up to do the other things. Um, when I look at the other openings, right, that would be marquee openings, if you look at, you know, regardless of what you think of Nebraska or Wisconsin as a fit or Auburn as a potential fit, those are all filled. Right, so what else is left for Dion? And when I look at that, I'm wondering if Georgia Tech steps up, right? Because that would be the school. If they're going to commit and give him what he wants, his name, his history, his legacy in Atlanta and in the ACC, that would be the place that I would think would be the best place for him to go. But I have no idea if they're going to make that commitment. Were you listening to the show earlier? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was my that was my case. I, I, th- I thought that made a lot of sense. So. Uh, well, we'll see yeah, how that great, works out. great minds think alike, and sometimes ours do too. So there you go. <laughs> yes, good, good one. I almost stepped on <laughs> it, but thankfully I didn't. Uh, you, on a less funny note, uh, you were in town this weekend. I, I did see you, as we mentioned. Uh, you were actually on the broadcast of a game that drew national attention, a women's game over at the Mirage. There's a lot of silliness to that tournament, uh, like the you know the presentation, the stands the scoreboard kept getting unplugged from what i understand uh there's a lot of things that are kind of comical that have been made fun of on social media i think the disrespect potentially to women's basketball not a funny issue but really the safety issue that came up during the game that you were calling is a real real sign of concern especially because there's another tournament coming up run by the same people in las vegas we'll see if that actually happens but i guess just describe the scene of what you saw with a girl getting injured a scary sight potentially we thought might be a very serious neck injury and there was not medical attention around what was that like to experience yeah it was it was difficult it was difficult to watch and the game we're talking about is auburn colorado state 
uh, with four minutes left in the game, there was an offensive rebound situation and a tie-up for the jump ball, and uh, the player got kind of pulled backwards to the floor where the back of her head and her neck hit the floor. And, um, you know, she was, was not moving and, and was held in place. And, uh, you know, the Auburn medical staff, everybody there on site, the trainers, the coaches, uh, even the parents, everybody was, was quick to give the attention that she needed and make sure she was stabilized and secure and, and they weren't going to, to try to move her or give her, uh, you know, anything that would potentially make the situation any worse. The challenge being in the convention center at the Mirage and not in an arena and not having medical staff on site other than the team trainers, we spent the better part of 45 minutes waiting for an ambulance for a first responder personnel to get in there and stabilize her neck and be able to move her onto a stretcher and move her off the floor. Uh, that is the really concerning part, is how long it took to get someone to respond based on what the arena setup was, what the plan was to have any, any medical personnel on site, and how long it took them to get there and get into that spot way all the way in the back in the convention area of, of the Mirage. So that was really the, um, the most concerning part. The good news on this, according to the Auburn coaching staff, they think most of it was precautionary and, and she should be okay. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was not a good look at all from a tournament that was already receiving bad pub before that incident happened. And, and just, to, just to clarify your comments, Chad, to make sure, and I'm glad that you, you, you sort of did, is that um, it wasn't the concern of how long it took our local first responders to respond it was the fact that they didn't have anybody on site already plus whatever's going on in las vegas they're out roaming around in you know what i'm saying then they get there and then they have to get through the casino just as i believe it was indiana's coach made mention about um uh grace Berger because she was on crutches and he even said yeah well walking with crutches she doesn't need them but it's a big hotel takes time to get there so the point is not about our first responders taking so long to get there as much as it is they should have been there in the first place right exactly i mean if you think about it and, and go to you know any high school football game or any other college event that's in an established arena or stadium there's usually an ambulance and medical personnel on site right just in case something happens and that did not appear to be the case right there was no one in the building in the resort at all so we had to wait for someone to respond and we're talking about a late saturday afternoon in las vegas in a property that's on the strip so i think everybody that's listening knows what that may involve in terms of getting someone there through traffic right um you know it, uh, it's certainly not the the fault of anyone who was doing the job to respond at all. It's the fact that what they had to do to jump through hoops to get there to do their right. job. Right. Uh, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. I'm going to throw it out because you were there and you saw it. If you were a coach or an athletic director of a women's basketball team that was scheduled to play in another event run by this promoter, would you have your team play in it? Um, I, I would probably pass uh, on that. And, uh, you know, I had heard rumors of, of the promoters being upset with the Mirage and the hotel and what action they might take in terms of a lawsuit. But um, I don't know how much is, is on the Mirage and their transition from an MGM to a Hard Rock property and how much is, is in the contract on the promoter. Um, I, I did read one follow-up on this that the actual promoter in charge of the event wasn't even there. They were at another uh, event in another site. So um, I, can al- I don't I can know also... how much of that is accurate and true, but yeah, yeah it's uh, there, there. There should be people accountable on several different levels. 
I can also tell you he will not return a call or a text or uh, a voicemail because I can't leave one because his mailbox is full. I'm sure a lot of people are trying to reach him, but uh, I will point that out as well. I'm trying to follow up on some of these things, and uh, that is that has been a chore. So uh, we do appreciate the perspective of somebody that was actually there. I know there's a lot of social media chatter about this, so I appreciate getting that. And uh, some good takes on the Denver Broncos as well and what's going on in Colorado. Always great, always a great time talking to Chad, and good to see him this weekend. Follow on Twitter. At Chad Andrus, we need the followers, man. We need we need to build that up, Chad. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, my my huge Twitter presence. <laughs> give us some give us some hot takes on there. That's what we got to do. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, we'll see you, man. Good stuff as always, Chad Andrus on the scene everywhere. He's all over the place, and uh, kind of like you. Unfortunately, he had to hang out with me. That was the uh, the penalty he had to pay for being in Vegas this weekend. Uh, we'll continue. Uh, Steve Cofield coming up in a little bit. Eric Harper as well. Uh, the athletic director from over UNLV. We are here at Twin Peaks getting ready. Monday Night Football with Willie Ramirez, the mayor of Twin Peaks, as we uh, refer to him. Coming up, get down here, watch the Golden Knights and Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks Henderson with Cofield and Company. Great prizes plus food and drink specials. Monday starting at 2 p.m. at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Goodwin in motion to the left, now back to the right. Snap back, here comes Crosby, off the edge. Has Gino around the shoulders, dumps it short. Homer scoops it up, they still haven't blown the whistle. And he races forward, and now they wave it off incomplete. Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company on this Monday. Oftentimes the Raiders are the biggest story on a Monday. Uh, after they play this time other things going on for sure but i don't think we can lose track of the fact that the raiders got a second straight win yesterday the first time this year they've won back-to-back games they did they did it in dramatic fashion both weeks first or excuse me third team in nfl history to win back-to-back games on overtime walk-off touchdowns Uh, only two times it's ever happened before so uh, the Raiders are not only winning games, but doing it in dramatic fashion, getting contributions from all three phases. Of course, Josh Jacobs yesterday was the big star, but made a couple of big third-down stops, including Max Crosby with a couple of sacks. Uh, they got some good good play from the special teams as well uh, with some field position battles. And it took all three phases to get the win. I think a lot of encouraging signs beyond just, hey, they won a game. A lot of encouraging signs beyond the stars. Um, I, I per- The one name that I... That kind of stood out to me. Well, two, two, I should say. I was I was impressed with the use of the blue collar work put in by Amir Abdullah and Foster Morrow, because he's often forgotten about, obviously with Darren Waller, but with Waller missing so much time, um, you know. And then and Foster, as bad as he felt with with in the game against the Colts, the drop it was knocked out of his hand. I mean, this is a guy who puts in the work. He's sort of a you know fun guy in the locker room he's kind of funny here and there whatever but I mean in terms of the 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 labor they put in during the games I was impressed with those two guys just because it was the little times they were called upon they put up some decent not numbers but they put in some decent effort made plays when they had to yeah I think is is the key and right I mean Josh Jacobs having his big game with over 300 scrimmage yards and one of the best games we've ever seen from a running back in NFL history really with uh, nearly 100 receiving the big play at the end of the game but you lose track of the fact that Amir Abdullah made a couple of big plays, especially on third down. He scored his first touchdown as a Raider as well. And, I mean, I, I don't want to discount the fact that he had an unbelievable selly 
on that touchdown with the uh, the kung fu. Well, he, it was it was it was it was a roundhouse turning roundhouse, as we used to call it, the Taekwondo studio. And they even brought it up on the on the broadcast. It's like you're going to take away from the Taekwondo? Come on! And I guess it was because he just nicked. Yeah, the 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 shoulder made pad. Contact. Yeah, just believe, made contact. Believe me, it's already it's already in the works. It's my Wednesday story. I love it. I We're can't talking wait. about you got you got to spot where the guy is. You got to know where your opponent is. Yeah. when you do something like that and uh, and throw those kicks. But again, I think there is something to be said about not not the actual wins because the wins kind of are meaningless and they're actually hurtful to the to the future of the franchise. But there is something about the process. And Josh McDaniels today saying. That, that he doesn't believe they necessarily would have won Sunday if they hadn't won last week, it's pretty interesting. It's it's the process that they're trying to go through, the learning of, hey, what we are doing, the plays we are making, the execution that we're going through, if we do it well and we do what we want to do, we will win games. And I think that message has started to be delivered that may not have been delivered early in the season when they were not winning games. They were falling short every week. Yeah, part of that process is on the defensive side because you, they, it gets a knock for you know so much that it gives up or it allows, and as we've seen it fail. So you look at the you look at the big picture. Well, it gave up thirty four points, and you know Seattle and Geno Smith, so many so many naysayers. But the fact is, when it needed to come up with three and outs, it did, it, and that's what's important when you get in a game like this in a shootout like this. When, as you said, all three facets are working together um, harmoniously which we saw yesterday, something like that works, where, where a 34 points by, by the opposition, okay, but when it comes time, we need you to step up. You did. And I think that they that all three, like you said, um, led by Josh Jacobs. I mean, I think that's eighth most in league history, 303 yards from scrimmage, 33 yards off the all-time record. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, not too shabby of a performance. Yeah, impressive for sure. And, and I think not only overcoming the losses earlier in the season, but – Overcoming mistakes early in the game. Derek Carr, two early interceptions. The first play of the game was an interception, <laughs> and they didn't let it get out of control. Right. They, they they came back. They said, all right, you guys scored. We gave up a seven. Now we'll go get seven and tie it up, and then it's a new game from there. And that's that's kind of how they played out. And not to be not to be overlooked completely, another loss on the coin toss to start the game. But? But another win on the overtime coin toss. By your guy. Yeah, A.J. Cole. One of your favorite interviewees. Who tells me time and time again, don't worry about it. When the coin tosses matter, I will win them. Another key moment where they came up with a big one. One, one in ten on the opening coin toss. A lot of, of our game. favorite locker room guys had big moments yesterday, right? You, you sure. love talking with A.J. Cole. I mean, who doesn't like talking to him? Our guy, Mac Hollins. Sure. Four receptions off five targets, 63 yards, and a touchdown. I love messing with Amir, Amir Abdullah in the locker room, you know, they're, uh, at the facility. Foster Moreau, as I mentioned. So good stuff from the Raiders all around. And, 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 and it's not just the Stars this week. There you go. A big win for the Raiders, at least in terms of morale. We saw their excitement uh, building up after the game. Uh, but they weren't the only team in action in the NFL yesterday. Plenty of games going on. A lot of uh, things coming out of those games that could be relevant for the rest of the season. We'll get into uh, some of what went on around the NFL continue later on uh get back into the unlv coaching situation as well what happens next why did this decision get made all that and more we continue co-fit a company on this monday from twin peaks and henderson want the skinny on unlv football listen to the weekly unlv all access podcast with cofield and caleb herring a new episode drops each thursday morning at unlv all access on twitter
This is about an organization that's saying, listen, our window is closing and we need to cash in these chips. You're not going to have a great defense in, in New Orleans for too much longer. Mario Davis is getting up in age. Cam Jordan is getting up in age. You have to try and cash in on that chip. So if you can mortgage the future to get another championship, like who cares? Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. It is Cofield and Company. On this Monday, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield down here in a little bit, Eric Harper, UNLV Athletic Director, joining us in a little bit to talk about the decision to move on from Marcus Royo. That'll be coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Willie, a lot of things went on in the NFL. We were talking about the Raiders, though, so I want to hit on one more thing with them. We talked about this before, but now it's even more prevalent. Is Josh Jacobs has played his way into a lot of money. A lot of money. He is going to be. He's already rich. He's going to be incredibly rich with whatever new contract he signs at the end of this year. But is he making it impossible for for Las Vegas to sign him? Is he played his way out of Las Vegas, or do they just have to bite the bullet, admit they made a mistake not picking up his option, and pay him a lot of money at the end of the year? Um. Yes, 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 yes. And I just think that Josh Jacobs should leave. I'll be real honest with you. Because of that? Yeah, I do. I think because it's a slap in the face and he's done everything that he – it was the look on his face when I asked him weeks ago, and I wrote a story about him, and I said – I asked him about the Hall of Fame game straight up. And he looked at me and he said, it was then it was time to prove to them – it looks like i got to go out and prove who I am. And then I brought up the extension, and he said – I'm just going to make sure that I don't miss the next one. <laughs> so, I mean, he obviously came into this to prove the Raiders wrong, came in with the chip on his shoulder. Now it's time to pay. So, yeah, I mean, if he's established a relationship and he likes the bonds he has and he likes the coaching staff and he ha- he's not going to hold any ill will toward Ziegler and McDaniels, then get them for all that they can. Get them for all that he can. Otherwise, take the best offer, negotiate, and move on and make them pay. Well, Period. I'll, I'll pose this question to you that I was asked the other day on, a, on an interview. Where He's been good his whole career. He hasn't been this. No. So do you need to have him on a one-year contract every year to make this happen? No, um, because I think he's learned his lesson, and I think last year coming off the injury, which was late in the season, yes, but I think this, I think the, the, the turning point for Josh Jacobs was this offseason because if you remember how many times in the, uh, in the media room – before, right? Because locker rooms didn't open up until the season started, right? So, so we were watching. So they were coming in, but how many times we heard him sort of just talk about his off season, what he did to mentally prepare, to physically prepare, to do different things, changing his nutrition. I think everything that just sort of took place, and then the final straw was not being extended. Sort of drove him to have a great off season. I don't think that this kid's ever going to have. A, a, a less than spectacular offseason to prepare for a big season. I think his career is well on his way. I'm not saying that he's going to duplicate what he's done this year every single year, but he's going to be pretty damn close, and it's going to be – this is this is now the Josh Jacobs that – because here's the thing. If he now holds the cards to whoever offers him millions and millions of dollars and whatever it is that his agent that he negotiates for him, guess what? He better step up to something close to what we've seen this year. Maybe not mirror it, but he damn well better play like it. Yeah, and we'll see how he can keep going the rest of the year. Like I said, I think no matter what happens, he has, uh, he has earned that next contract here or elsewhere. It'll be fascinating to find out 
uh, what he is worth on the open market because running backs don't get paid, and they certainly don't get long-term guaranteed contracts. But if there's a case to be made for a guy that's still fairly young, still has, you know, this year he's being used a lot, but a lot of tread on the tires because he hasn't been used that much the last couple of years. He wasn't used that much in college. And it's like, you know what? It's like our good friend uh, Mark McMillan said. Grilla McMillan said to me in the press box the other day at the UNLV football game, running backs come a dime a dozen these days. Yeah. So it's time for him to get paid. It's time for him to lock something up long term. And it's time, he, he get like you said, he deserves what he gets. Uh, Lamar Jackson, just to completely change topics, uh, he fired off an angry tweet yesterday after the game. Somebody that had come after him on Twitter, and he used a derogatory term that he should not have used, and I think he knows that. Uh, deleted that. Another guy that's, by the way, looking for a new contract, and I don't know that this will help necessarily. Uh, what I heard John Harbaugh say this morning was, I don't really like guys on Twitter anyway. I certainly don't like guys on Twitter right after a bad, ugly loss. I am a Twitter-obsessed person. I'm in it good or bad, night or day, whenever. But I think he's right. I think after after a loss, if you're a NFL player in that kind of a spotlight, stay, stay off. Yeah. Like, there's times things that if something's not going right in my life, yeah. I know that I should not be on Twitter. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to say. Yeah, and 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 I know you personally. I was just going to say you were in a spot that you didn't want to say something on Twitter, so you just deleted the app. Right, and 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 I will say, um, I called you one night, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute! You you stayed off for a reason." So before you just go back on, think about it. And I stayed off for about another week. So you're right, and we are media members. We're nobodies. These guys are professional athletes in the spotlight with millions and millions of fans and followers. It's a bad move in a situation like that to be on social media. I see things all the time where I, I am tagged on something that a, you know somebody famous is tagged on, and I see responses to them, and I'm like, they are human beings. And, and I'll, I'll say this. I don't know that I fully discussed this conversation uh, on the air when it happened a couple weeks ago, but when I sat down with Darren Waller and mm-hmm. talked about you know what Derek Carr had said and there yep. was allegations that it was about him and – uh, Darren agreed to talk to me about it, and we were having a conversation, and I kind of stopped the interview because he had said, look, I'm not on social media for a reason. I can't take it, even good and bad, even good. Even good. Yeah. If you have a 1,000 good tweets in a row, you're going to start really thinking highly of yourself, and it's going to be a false sense of who you are. And then if it's a 1,000 bad ones, forget it. It's tough. And he just said, I'm not on it. I don't have it. People around me have taken the apps away. They don't let me look at it anymore, and I'm good with that. I well, can't do it. Well, let's not forget what he what he he's a recovering addict. Sure, sure. So, th- and that could send you over. Of course, absolutely. And I think that was part of what he was saying. But then I kind of stopped it, and we kind of talked off the record for a second. And I just said, "That's a hard thing to do, man." He's like, "I was like, it's hard." And he said, "Yeah, we're humans." He's yeah. like, "All the time, I'm like I should get back on there and see what people are saying." Yeah. It's it's tough. It's not an easy thing to do, no. he, but it is a responsible thing. I think what John Harbaugh is saying. To just be, look, if you're going to be on there, be on there. But right after an ugly loss, stay the heck away. Yeah. Disable the account. You know, di- disable it the night before a game and re-enable it maybe 24 hours after. Win or lose, re-enable it. You know, because. I'm, I'm never, by the way, I'm saying I'm never doing this. I'm, I'm on it all. I'm constantly on. I'm never getting off. Don't play that. Yeah, but you're not a pro athlete, so. I know, but it's even no matter what, no matter what situation I was in, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, I wouldn't have that kind of discipline, uh, for sure. So uh, we say this, we talk about it, 
it's really it's a really really difficult thing to actually put in action but I think John Harbaugh probably has a good point and uh, we'll see if Lamar Jackson takes his advice and maybe stays off after bad losses in the future coming back continuing we'll have more discussion about the UNLV football coaching situation Eric Harper talks about what went into this decision maybe where they go next Steve Cofield joins the program as well as we continue on this Monday Twin Peaks and Henderson is your spot Willie Ramirez will be here for the game Colts and Steelers big traditional powers maybe not having the best of season but Golden Knights on as well here at Twin Peaks we'll be back